1: Hey, welcome back to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. I'm Andy Baskin. He's Darrell Ryder. We're really excited you're alongside with us. And remember, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to our podcast feed. So, Daryl, when we left, I just we were talking about Baker Mayfield and what's next. I'm still shocked that I still read, and I shouldn't say shocked. That's not the right word because I was talking about this last week. What's next for Baker and where might be the best landing spots for him? And as I was reading some stuff again last night, and I keep saying this, Detroit still seems like a decent fit for him. And if John Dorsey's there, I'm not saying he has the ultimate power like we were doing this during our show and Jeff was like reading off the order of names on their on their website and he's like uh, John Dorsey's like seventh or eighth in name. I'm like Jeff, that doesn't mean anything because of the way they're ordered on the on the website that doesn't mean who's in power and if somebody wants to listen to John and you've got a coach there that has that same flair and Panache maybe is order or chutzpah might be the other word that, that Baker Mayfield has, then you know what? Maybe Detroit could be a good landing spot for him. Where does Baker end up, Darrell Ryder? Where does he end up?
2: I think Seattle still makes the most sense for Baker. But I think that the Seahawks are doing what a, a good team would do, and that is wait it out. Uh, when you look at the Lions and you know their particular situation – you know, Jared Goff obviously is uh, a pretty sizable cap hit for them. It's over $30 million uh, this year, so I think that that might be a uh, a bit of a factor uh, when you talk about budgeting and, and, and those type of things. Um, but look, I get it. The connection between John Dorsey, who drafted Baker Mayfield, and the Detroit Lions, who may or may not be sold uh, on Jared Goff as their long-term solution at quarterback. Um, but I still think the Seattle Seahawks, it, it, for Baker to step in and be a starter, make the most sense. The other part of this, too, is that right now, the starting market, right, the starting market's not all that great. There's not a lot of openings uh, around the National Football League right now for Baker Mayfield to step in and start. Uh, Sam Darnold's going to start for the Carolina Panthers. That organization made that very clear over the weekend, that he is their starter, right? Uh, we know right. the uh, Washington Commanders called the Browns about Baker before they traded for Carson Wentz, before Tom Brady came out of retirement. Uh The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did their due diligence and placed a phone call to Andrew Barry uh, to check on Baker Mayfield's availability. But as soon as Brady came back, poof, those talks obviously ended. The Indianapolis Colts decided to trade with the Atlanta Falcons for 37-year-old Matt Ryan, or soon-to-be, I should say, 37-year-old Matt Ryan, instead of going with a much younger Baker Mayfield. So, you know, that afternoon when... The dominoes started to fall. The New Orleans Saints didn't want Baker Mayfield. And their quarterback situation is less than ideal. So that is right now, from my perspective, I think the multi-million dollar question, where will Baker Mayfield end up? I thought for sure that he was going to get traded over the weekend because the team would be motivated to get him into their building this offseason, like, to learn their system and get him ready for day one of training camp. So I really felt like the draft was the perfect opportunity to do that. I was clearly wrong. Nobody
1: right now seems to be motivated to trade for Baker. All right. Last word on Baker Mayfield, because I do want to talk about what the Browns actually did with draft picks. The, the, the fact, like, I, I was so happy Kenny Pickett got picked by the Steelers because it just reiterated what i thought all along about baker going to pittsburgh. and i had heard last week that mike tomlin wanted nothing to do with him. or at least that's what i heard. i'm not saying that that's 1000% factual but from what i had heard mike tomlin wanted nothing to do with baker mayfield. and let's be honest i don't know that, that was more i ever fan thought creation. that he fit their system. I, I agree, but then the media also bought into it. media oh, you know and uh, we love i love mary kay and i'm sure mary kay got it from a good source and there were others out there saying that Pittsburgh would take Baker in a moment. Well, what were they really trying to do force the Browns? Maybe it was just rumor mill stuff, trying to force the Browns to cut him because there was and there was no way the Browns were going to cut him and then let him walk across the street to Pittsburgh. That wasn't happening. And so, and when also they took you forget Pickett, going into so the draft, excited.
2: might have been a smokescreen.
1: Sure, absolutely, absolutely, I believe that. So, can we just put to bed the whole? Baker-Steelers thing, and now they've got Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. I mean, there's just no way Baker ends up in Pittsburgh. It would take both quarterbacks getting hurt, and they would have to have a super emergency for him, and then they would end up having to pay the Browns to bring him in. I don't ever see that.
2: At least this year, not happening. But, again, going going into the draft, stuff gets thrown out there, and this was before they took Pickett that that came out. So, sure, that you know, to throw teams off the scent of what they were planning in the uh, in the first round there by going quarterback, you know, it didn't hurt them to have that rumor out there that maybe they would have some interest in bringing in Baker Mayfield, but yeah, Andrew Berry's not cutting Baker. Like that is very very apparent and very clear. They are not going to cut Baker Mayfield because they still have to pay him his guaranteed salary. Baker Mayfield is getting $18.858 million, whether that comes in whole or part from the Cleveland Browns or another team. He is getting that money, and he's getting it whether he plays or he doesn't play. He's getting it if he starts or he doesn't start. He is getting that money uh, if he's sitting on his couch in uh, at his home in Austin, Texas, or if he's uh, chilling out in Berea, which I don't think uh, he's going to be doing. I think that the Browns will tell him that he is more than welcome to stay home for the June minicamp and that he won't have to report to Berea. I think, that, that honestly, that would be the smart thing. team doesn't need that kind of distraction. They brought in three quarterbacks this offseason. Baker Mayfield will never play another down for the Cleveland Browns, so it's just easier for everybody to move on. If they say, hey, Baker, stay home in Austin, keep doing your rehab and all that, and we're doing what we can to find you a new team. Unfortunately, right now, no one's really lining up to, to get you, and I, I think that they're going to go to training camp with him on this roster. I don't think Baker gets traded
1: anytime soon. All right, last note on Pittsburgh. uh, Mike Tomlin also said that Kenny Pickett's going to have a chance to compete. So if you're a Mentor fan, uh, Mitch Trubisky's got his work cut out for him because they want to give Pickett a chance to be the starter week one, which I I was floored when I heard Tomlin say that on ESPN over the weekend. So good for him, and uh, Mitch has got some work, or Mitchell, I should say, as his mom would want us to say, uh, has some work to do as well. All right, let's get into the draft itself. Um, you know, I you I don't know if you had heard the same, but I had been hearing the Browns wanted to get out of 44 like for the last couple of weeks. They were trying to accumulate picks and get more. That's what they ended up doing when it was all said and done. And then they ended up taking Martin Emerson, a quarterback, a cornerback with that first pick that they had at 68 in the third round. Daryl, I, I was a little shocked by this because I just thought that was a, that wasn't exactly a position of need. There were other wide receivers on the board yet. When you look at the big picture, when it's all said and done, I, I get it. I understand it. I just, I think fans wanted a wide receiver at that point, or they wanted a defensive end, or they wanted some kind of defensive interior guy, and they were looking at what was on the board, and therefore you elevate yourself into disappointment as a fan. As a front office, you can kind of see what they were doing.
2: Yeah, you know, I did not have them taking a corner in with their first, at all in the draft, let alone with their first pick uh, in the draft. Um I didn't think that they would be drafting a running back at all, uh, but they took uh, Jerome Ford in the fifth round. And I, uh, you know, did not have them drafting a center either. And they, uh, you know, in the seventh round added uh, Dawson Deaton. So uh, three positions that – and I wrote in my preview. I'm like, okay, offensive line, they seem to be pretty good there, right? right? Quarterback, they're definitely good there. They're absolutely overflowing with talent at running back. They don't have enough carries for those guys, so odds of them taking a running back or next to none. And, oh, yeah, corner, they're pretty stacked there. They've made – A lot of investment at that position in recent years. They won't be taking a corner. Once again, going to show that I know absolutely nothing because he took three of their (laughs) nine picks with guys that were overflowing with talent. I guess you can never have too many good centers on your football team. They got Nick Harris who they drafted a couple years ago in 2020 in the fifth round. They signed Ethan Posick this offseason. Uh, as a free agent from Seattle. And then they bring in uh, Dawson Deaton, who's uh, going to be competing with those two guys too. Uh, as we got deeper into the draft, I just said, because they you know, accumulated picks, they started with seven. They ended up with nine players. They got a couple of picks for next year as well with uh, the two trades that they were you know, able to make and I was just like well I guess Andrew Barry's just filling out the practice squad this weekend
1: maybe I, I when I looked at this draft and I was just trying to be realistic about it I said well there are two guys here that we're going to see right away out of all that they picked and I just think David Bell has the best shot of of getting time I you know I I, I think people were generally excited when they saw him because they've seen him because he right. played for Purdue the wide receiver so I think that's and it's an offensive guy and I think that's one of the reasons. Like I'm always concerned about these drafts when the Browns don't have a first or in this case didn't have a second either. Um, to bring in Martin Emerson that there's too much pressure on whoever is like the the marquee name in a draft. I don't feel that way and I really think that David Bell has the best opportunity to have the biggest impact outside of the kicker situation, which we're going to talk about in one second. But it, it, do you see anybody that can break through early on that's going to be able to see significant time early on? I think Bell has the best opportunity because the wide receiving core needs help. Unless they start bringing in free agent wide receivers, i, I got to believe Bell's Bell's looking pretty good to be on the field to start the season if 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 he looks good in camp.
2: And it also speaks to how they feel about Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who uh, were also picked uh, in recent years. Peoples-Jones, of course, drafted in the sixth round in 2020. Schwartz, they took him last year uh, in the third round. Yeah, I I do think that we are going to see uh, Martin Emerson. They basically uh, opened up an opportunity for him by trading Troy Hill, who had spent six years with the L.A. Rams before he came to Cleveland last year to join the Browns, they sent him back to the Rams uh, uh, during the draft. So I, I think Martin Anders uh, Emerson is going to get an opportunity uh, as you know their top pick. Fun fact for you: the okay. sixty-eight, the the sixty-eighth overall pick, uh, which is where the Browns got Emerson. That is the latest that the Browns picked a player since 2008. They made a selection 104th overall in round number four because they traded their – remember, they traded their first rounder to Dallas yeah. in 2007 Bo to Bell? get Brady Quinn. Bo Bell. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. Bell. You're a winner. Yes. They ended the up – The only because, reason I
1: know is uh, I looked it up last week. I was like, oh, remember Bo Bell? Yeah. And then remember, there was hype. At that point, there was a little bit of hype for Bo Bell
2: because he was the first. Oh, Bo
1: Bell. We got this Bo Bell guy. Well, and they
2: had, had remember, they traded their second rounder to the Packers for Corey Williams, and their third rounder went to Detroit for Sean Rogers. So, yeah. How about that? That was the the latest uh, that they had drafted or picked a player since 2008, the legend Bo freaking Bell.
1: Okay, so beyond Bo Bell, the biggest question of the weekend I know I heard, and I'll ask you yours here in a second. Well, you tell me yours first, and then just give me the question people ask you most, and we'll see if it was the same. What was the question?
2: How many h- how many kids do they need?
1: <laughs> okay, Are they here's picking, the are they picking I got. a
2: player anytime soon?
1: <laughs> well, that that wasn't a bad one either. The other one I was like, oh my god, they picked a kicker in the fourth round. I heard that from probably 15 people. Now, as people were saying this to me, I was like, you know, they kind of need a kicker, especially when your guy that you had last year was only kicking about 75%, if not less. Um, They needed a kicker. So uh, we actually – Andrew Barry talked about why they took a kicker.
2: We certainly thought that was a possibility. You know, we, you saw that little specialist run in the fourth round, you know, when, you know, kicker, and I think it was either two or three punters that went off, you know, shortly afterwards. You know, realize that's a little high for where kickers typically go, but, you know, we do think that he's a, an excellent prospect and you know, has a chance to be a good kicker for a long time.
1: All right, well, we saw, we've seen what's going on in Cincinnati. We've seen what's going on across, you know, across the NFL. I don't have a real problem with them picking a kicker in the fourth round, especially if this guy's going to be here for the next, you know, seven to ten years is that a possibility Darrell what do you think what are you hearing about Cade York
2: well they didn't draft him to cut him so uh Chase McLaughlin it's been a pleasure uh good luck in your future endeavors uh or on the practice squad um look I mean this kid's got a big leg too and his record-setting field goal came in the fog (laughs) <laughs> we 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 right. talked to him. We talked to him about that. It was uh Florida State that they beat the number six uh at the time in December of twenty twenty and he bangs home this fifty seven yard field goal in the fuck and he was asked about it, you know, kick it in weather here in Cleveland he goes, Yeah, that wasn't so much a weather problem as it was a vision problem. <laughs> it's a good thing those uprights were painted bright yellow, but um yeah, I, I mean I wasn't surprised that they drafted a kicker. I, I wasn't. I was a little surprised that in the fourth round they did draft a kicker. Um, they they love this guy's leg, can distance with accuracy. It reminds me back when um, when John Dorsey was here and they drafted Austin Seibert, right? And every again, yeah. si- similar reaction. Like so, really? They're, they, yeah. they 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 drafted a kicker. So little fun story for you. After the draft, uh, you know, some time had passed. Uh, Dorsey invited. Uh, the beat writers, to to come out to Berea just to kind of sit around a table and, uh, you know, talk about the draft. So we're we're sitting there, and he pulls up the Austin Seibert tape, right? Because he's going through each guy right. and what they really liked about each player. And so he puts up the Austin Seibert tape, and Seibert's just banging home these 65-yarders off a of tee in, at his, like, pro day workout or whatever, right? And it's pretty impressive. Right. right. And... And he's like, this kid's got a great leg. Yeah, yeah, right. But he's doing it on a tee with no rush. And I I remember turning to Dorsey and I said, you got any game film of this guy? Is he banging home 65 yarders in a game? Because I don't remember... Austin Seibert hitting 65 yarders for Oklahoma. He goes, oh, not a problem. Their offense was so good. He was, you know, because really, I mean, he was kicking like extra points. I think like one of his longest field goals, like 38 yards, 40 yards, something like that in college or whatever. But, you know, when you look at Cade York and the distance, and not just does he have a long leg there, Andy, and can hit those long field goals. He did it with regularity. He had 15 field goal makes in college of over 50 yards and i would argue it's harder to kick a field goal in college than it is the pros because because the hash marks are wider and you have to angle better you you you, yeah so i think it's tougher to kick field goals in college than it is in the national football league not so much from I'm, i'm just talking about for lining it up and and, and those type of things because those hash marks are wider in the college game. So um, I I like where Andrew Berry's head was at. I also feel like that he didn't want uh, to risk allowing him to get taken by another team. And also remember that a couple of picks before that, he got his buddy Kwasi uh, Dofumensu on the phone and made a trade with the 118th pick sending that to the Vikings. So uh, there was a little, I think, some urgency there. That was their third pick that they went into the fourth round with. So I, I'm not surprised they drafted a kicker. Little surprised that Cade came in round number four.
1: Uh, uh, the one thing about Cade York was I was listening to that post-game press conference, He's post-draft press conference. He's kind of cocky. And I think we need that for a kicker right now. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe. It's always game day in Cleveland, wherever you listen to podcasts. We love having you on board. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about the draft, what we saw, and some behind-the-scenes stuff you're not going to want to miss. You're listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Stick around.